Resonate is a community that loves like Jesus, and we want you to experience that with us together. I want to encourage you to tune into this online broadcast each and every week or attend our weekly gatherings in Sherwood at 10 a.m. You can also join in on one of our community groups if you're local that meet during the week either here at the church building or in our homes. So to find out more about our community or give to our ministry, please visit our website at resonatelife.org. So today I'm going to focus for one Sunday on Thanksgiving. Now Thanksgiving, there's a lot of blessing to it. Maybe you're spending time with family around the table with some friends, or maybe this is just a time for you where you're just working normally every day, maybe even on Thanksgiving, that you can reflect just everyone on the blessings in our lives. Well, a lot of us in the room have different backgrounds. We come from different traditions. We come from different upbringings. And sometimes we speak our upbringing over others. We put people under should contracts. We speak should contracts over people's lives of what they should do or what they should not do. Well, I'm going to give you a little freedom this season because we've been through a tough two years. And what I've noticed is that Christmas is already here. Christmas is out. The decorations are up. The Christmas trees, the sales are going on. Black Friday's already been here for weeks. And so traditions are kind of, in a sense, a little bit out the window. But maybe you need a tradition. Maybe you need a new tradition. Maybe you need to just wipe the slate clean and do something that you've never done before. I want to release you and give you permission to release yourself, more importantly, of the should contracts that are over your life. What I love about Resonate is we're always trying to, and this is what I'm grateful for, always trying to work outside of the norm, outside of the box. And these are the in the box are a lot of should contracts, even within church tradition, even within theological ideas and principles. And sometimes when we focus so much on shoulds, we miserably fail at the most important thing, and that is loving people. Well, I believe that we need to help one another, release one another, maybe from the should contracts that we've experienced in our life that are just headed right into this season. Maybe you feel guilt. Maybe there's a lot of shame around this season in your life. I want to give you permission to release yourself from that. You don't have to live under these types of things. Oh, should contracts happen all the time in culture, in even in the church and theology, I used to be—I uh, used to come from a tradition that was very, I would say, legalistic about such things like baptism. Baptism was absolutely necessary for salvation. You baptize somebody, you actually had to say a certain thing in a certain way, otherwise, like the baptism didn't stick, right? Well, what I adhere to now is baptism by immersion is a part of our salvational process. It's a sign and an anchor in your life that enriches your faith and gives you a beautiful picture and a metaphor of your life like Romans 6, where we're buried with Christ and raised to a new life. So that that just gives a more beautiful, <clears throat> more more picturesque, but just a more beautiful and a more approachable idea of such things like baptism or such some other theological principle. And so I want to give us maybe this time to rethink, to, I'm not going to say deconstruct because I don't really appreciate 
uh, that that word necessarily or even the process. But as we rethink, we construct, we put together a new pathway forward. We put together a new a new pathway of faith or a new pathway of maybe post-evangelical, a post type of, well, I believed all of this before. Yes, I'm going to bring some things forward. I'm going to establish new traditions in my life, establish new pathways forward, and a new kind of faith. One that's approachable for me, one that's approachable for my children and my friends around me. One that I can actually believe in. If we don't do this, if we don't own our own faith, if we don't enter into our own belief, what happens is we just are inundated with negative thinking, negative emotions, and negative results. We'll end up like feeling guilt and shame and pain, and we'll just end up just reacting on one another and causing division and strife and anger and and pain in other people, just pushing guilt on shame onto other people as well. But if we could enter into a faith and maybe some traditions like around this season that we can actually have freedom to do, have peace and joy and love around our tables. We can engage in great conversations that way. And this time in our life, this season in our life, entering into just a season of winter, of Thanksgiving and into Christmas, maybe this could be a different season than you ever have experienced before because you focused on the most important things in in life. You focused on the most important things in your faith. You focused and you listened to the most important things with your with your family. So should contracts, well, we can red pen those, right? We're swirling in our culture right now and we need something new. Our positions, our politics, our pleasures, what's going on right now, just this last week, we need to begin to focus on the most important things in our faith, in our life, in our relationships. And if I could just land us on this one very important crucible person, and that is the person of Jesus and what God commanded us to be more like. And today we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit for this Thanksgiving day. One thing that I know is God desires me to display and to live out the life of Christ, to live out like Christ. Well, that doesn't include a should contract, and that doesn't include shame, guilt, and pain, and, and, and all these other things that we just talked about. That includes some things like love. That includes joy. That includes peace and, and such things like gratitude and generosity and hospitality. That's what God tells me that I'm to treat people with and, and act like and actually believe other people to, to be is to enter into life with a sense of gratitude, enter into life with hospitality, enter into life with friendships. These are the actions that Jesus took when faced with crisis, when faced with cultural disruption, when faced with persecution, and even faced with death, he entered into life with the poise, the position, and the posture of love. And we are to do the same. Yet we're not left alone to try to accomplish these things. Left alone, what we do is we grab onto very negative ideas. We grab onto painful 
things that consume us. We end up hurting one another and we hold on to that into resentments. And all of that spills out into a negative emotion and negative experience. Yet God is asking us to grab onto something different. He's asking us to grab onto the spirit of Christ, that we have the indwelling of the person of God in the spirit inside of us. And we've received that kind of help. We've received that kind of that kind of indwelling, and it's translated what comes out of us, that instead of negativity and instead of negative emotions spilling out of our life, that out of us comes something called fruit. In Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is these things. The fruit comes out of us because of the indwelling of the Spirit inside of us, that which has captivated and captured our our sight, our minds, our bodies, our wills, our life, our souls, our spirit has been captured and been captivated by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Galatians 5.23 goes on, there is no law against things like this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the self with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let's follow the Spirit. Let's not become arrogant, make each other angry or jealous of each other. He says, live by the Spirit. So this word fruit actually is a figurative word. It's a metaphor. And the Greek word karpos, it actually means everything done in partnership with Jesus, everything done in partnership with Christ. And if you think about a piece of fruit and how a piece of fruit grows on a fruit tree or, or you know, fruit plant of some kind, that fruit is produced in a symbiotic relationship with the tree and a symbiotic relationship with the soil and the earth and the roots and the ground and the water and everything that, that goes into raising up a piece of, of fruit. There's a symbiotic relationship. There is a partnership that is happening. We have a partnership with Jesus because the indwelling that's in us, what comes out of us is the fruit. Everything done in partnership with Christ, therefore, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what our life is to be in partnership with Jesus. When I enter into this season that sometimes is a season of distress, sometimes is a season of pain, sometimes is a season of feeling loss. Some of our people in our congregation have lost their parents just in the last month. Many of you have lost people in your lives just in the last six months to a year, maybe of of COVID or maybe just of, of loss or maybe a relationship is strained because of different political ideas that you carry that's different from other people that you might know. Maybe relationships are strained in your life. Well, those this season, we can enter into this season in partnership with Christ to speak something very new, to speak another way, uh, maybe a third way, that love is supreme, that love needs to reign supreme. And I, I just love, I love the idea of love. I love the idea of partnering with Christ to show love. There's something very 
very beautiful about our relationship with Christ in partnership. Something very beautiful about the expression of that partnership uh, being love. And I'm to be these things. I'm to be the, the love that Christ wants me to be, to show that to the world. So the very core of my being, the very core of my person, God is making me and shaping me into being more Christ-like, to look more like Christ through true partnership with Jesus. Well, in the fitness industry, we talk a lot about engaging the core. So when you exercise or when you, when you do any kind of physical activity, go chop wood, go chop a tree down, go dig a hole, whatever you're going to do, engaging the core is crucial. When you go skiing, you need to engage, since we're going into winter, right? You need to engage your core when you're, let's say, cross-country skiing. You need to remember to engage your core. When I do a swimming workout, I need to engage my core when I swim. When I lift weights, I engage my core. It's really important when you run to engage your core, meaning that you are engaged, your whole body is engaged in the activity, that you are present, your whole core is present for lifting the weight, swimming the lane, running the mile, whatever you're doing. Uh, digging the hole, bending down and picking up the box, that if you don't, you are prone to injury and lack of performance. So you need to engage your core. Well, the same is true for our faith, that we need to engage our core. And the core is the love of Christ. The core is the fruit of the Spirit. The core is Jesus in you. We need to engage that relationship. And it says there's no conflict with the law in doing these things. There's no conflict in showing unconditional love to people. When you say all are welcome, when you say my home, all are welcome in my home, all are welcome in my life, no matter who you are, come one and all, all are welcome. There's no conflict with the law. Jesus dined with notorious sinners. He sat around the table and ate with notorious sinners. There's no conflict with the law. He showed that. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church, he was actually telling us to focus on the very core of our faith. And that is this fruit of the Spirit. That is the focus on the love of Christ. Everything else is called adiaphora. That is the additional. That is everything else that's around the core. This is all secondary. The church trappings, the, the singing the songs, the, you know, everything like just when it comes to ecclesiology, just the, just the, the building itself or the, the candles on this, all of this other stuff that makes the church building beautiful and even the decorations and the, and the things that you hang on your tree and the, even at, at the Thanksgiving table, the, the, uh, the, the decorations on your table, that's all adiaphora, that's all extra. That's not the core. The core around that table are the two people that are sitting there sharing over a meal. They're sharing love. Now, some of you might know the Old Testament that there are 613, over 600 laws in the Old Testament. 
And then there's hundreds of human traditions that come out of the Old Testament. And the people that Paul in Galatians 5 that he was talking to, they're focused on all of these non-important issues, these unimportant things. And I would say in our culture right now, when you just look at social media or if you just read your news feed on your digital uh, news channel or whatever you're listening to or, or you're watching some YouTube or whatever you're, whatever you're ingesting, whatever information you're ingesting, this is what I know. Most everything that we're reading and taking in and, and listening to is, are not core. They're not core. They're just everything else. Maybe that's just these conflicts out here, these going on. The very thing that's going to heal our society, heal our families, heal our relationships, heal our relationships with our children, heal our children in their, in, in their relationships, the very thing that's going to heal our society and culture in general is the focus on the core issue, and that is to love your neighbor to love your neighbor, to love God, and to love your neighbor. This is the most important command. This is it. And the Spirit of God inside of us, that is what's going to come out of us if we focus and engage that core. Well, many, maybe you're looking at your life and saying, well, Kevin, my, I take a self-inventory and I walk through my moral inventory and I don't see the fruit of the Spirit. That is absent in my life. The fruit of the Spirit is I am not producing such things. That's a good question. It leads me to a problem maybe. And in verse 17, a person's selfish, selfish desires are set against the Spirit. And the Spirit is, get, is against one's selfish desires. So, so maybe we're trapped in not producing fruit or the fruit of God's Spirit because we're trapped in selfish desire. Maybe we're trapped in just doing life my way and not God's way. Well, maybe the Spirit of God is not inside of us, and we need to really think through that. Maybe do some inventory in your life. Do I believe in God? Have I received God in my life? And if you haven't, and, and I venture to say that, that many people would say, well, of course I believe in God. Of course I believe in Jesus. And of course I've received the Spirit of God, but maybe you haven't. Maybe there's some people that are listening to this that have not received God's Spirit. I would encourage you to pray about that and seek after help for that and to connect with godly people to lead you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because our tendency is to satisfy self, and that's what we do outside of our relationship with Jesus, but we also struggle with that in our, each and every day in our relationship with Jesus. And God says, move from the selfish desires to the selfless desires. Move from the internal ugliness to the internal glory of being more like Jesus. Here's what the Bible has to say. The actions that are, pro are produced by selfish motives are obvious since they include moral corruption, sexual immorality, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use, casting spells, hating, fighting, obsessions, 
Losing our tempers, basically getting angry, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, parting, and anything like that. That's what the Bible says, that this is the fruit of our life when we're focused on self, but the fruit of our life when we're focused on selflessness, not selfishness, and we're connected to a community and helping that, or, or the community is helping us and being watchful of my my actions and my fruit is we can produce the fruit of the Spirit. And I've come up with a small plan that you can focus on to carry out the selfless desires that God wants you to by, by focusing on the core, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, so the fruit of the Spirit would come forth from your life. Number one is to act in these God-given gifts. A. I have the A, B, Cs. We need to act in these God-given gifts. We need to act in the knowledge that God has given us this partnership. You've heard that term, fake it till you make it. I'm not asking you to fake anything. I'm just asking you to act in them. There's a lot of things that I don't want to do, but I still do them because I know it's the right thing to do. I do it because I know that that is what God wants me to do, and that's the choice that I need to make to act in love. There's a lot of people that I don't want to act in love with, and there's a lot of people I don't have joy with, and there's a lot of people that if I got into conversations with them about certain things, we would not be in peace. Yet God wants us to act in these things. Now, we have the power to produce in our lives like we've never produced before because of the indwelling of the Spirit. So my prayer is in the midst of the chaotic life that you live, in the midst of your fast-paced organ world or wherever you are at that you live, the pressures of the to-do list, the pressure of all of this around you, you have power inside of you, God's Spirit inside of you that can give you a sense of peace, can give you a sense of joy, can help you with the sense of love. When you live in partnership, you have access to that awareness. You have access to that sense. You have access to the scripture that shows us, tells us, and gives us practical examples on how to do such things like feeding the poor, like taking care of the orphan and the widow, like use these as examples, use them as metaphors, use them as, okay, I can't do that, but I can do this. Let it springboard you into something beautiful. Let it springboard you into an act of kindness that you can give and do for another person. So here's a practical example. I'm going to go right into our homes and our neighborhoods. Let's imagine that there's a neighbor on your street you don't like. Now, I know that's a fantasy. That's fantasy world, right? It would never happen that you don't like a neighbor, but just imagine a neighbor you do not like. And that neighbor knows that you go to church because you're always gone on Sunday and you're a believer and maybe, maybe your life just speaks it. Maybe you've had the conversation with them. And you're reminded of the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. You heard this sermon, and now you're going home today, and, and you have to stare that neighbor across the fence, or you have to stare that neighbor in the open front yard, and you're looking at them going, I, I don't want to express kindness to that person. Now, goodness is what's more going on inside. Goodness is the character. Kindness is the expression of the goodness. So you're like, well, I'm a good person. I don't want to hate that person. I'm not going to do anything harmful to that person. I'm not going to throw rocks at that person or scratch their car key, their side of the door. I'm not going to do that kind of stuff. But you don't feel kindness for your neighbor. You're not going to do kindness for your neighbor. You're a good person, but God is asking us to act in kindness. So you're in partnership with Christ, attempting to love your neighbor. So 
What would happen if you acted in kindness? Would, what would that make you feel like? Well, I would say that it would, wouldn't feel natural. If you didn't like somebody, it's not natural to be kind to that person. Even if you're a good person, it's not natural to be kind to a person that you do not like. What's natural is to drive on their lawn and egg their house, not throw, throw eggs at, at, their, at their doorstep or, or, or throw beans on their front porch like happened to a friend. That's what I would fill up a thing of dog poop and light it on fire on their front porch. Ha, 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 right? Got you. Toilet paper, their yard, whatever. That's, that seems like a little more natural to what we do to people that we don't like. But, but what's unnatural What's unnatural is kindness to people that we don't like. Well, if I do the possible and I'm kind, I think that God's spirit will do the impossible. And maybe that impossible, yes, can happen to them and they can begin to change and be a nicer person. But what happens to me is God does the impossible inside my heart that, that what was unnatural before starts to begin to become natural in me when I act in kindness because I'm a good person to even my enemy, all of the sudden that natural reflection, that natural behavior becomes kindness instead of driving on their lawn. Why? Because the Spirit of God, the fruit begins to be produced from my life. So we take small actions and God takes those small actions and he takes the possible and he does the impossible with them. But that takes belief. So we have A, we act in these things, but B, we believe that God is the source of that fruit because if I don't believe that God is the only source for the true makeover in my life, all the A's become a fake act. It's just an act on a stage. I'm just faking it, really. I'm not authentic. And God is not asking us to be unauthentic. He's asking us to be an authentic person, but he's also asking us to be a vulnerable person. And in vulnerability, what that means is I will act in kindness even though I feel like that person doesn't like me. I'll act in kindness and give and be generous even though I feel like that person maybe resents me or maybe that person holds something or has single-storied me. And so when I believe that God is the source of these actions, the A becomes more than an act. It becomes a reality. It becomes an expression. It becomes a vulnerable expression of my life, taking these action steps, believing that God is the source. He empowers me to take these steps. And until I believe that, I don't think that transformation is going to happen. It's just outward display, fake behavior that really doesn't deliver, right? And so we go down pathways sometimes like this where we're not connected into a true source. So therefore, we just get burned out by trying to do nice things for unhealthy, unnice, not nice people. I'm the true vine and my father is the vine keeper. He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit and he trims any branch that produces fruit so it'll produce even more fruit. What that tells me is that we need to be connected into the vine. We need to be connected into the true source. It makes me question, what vine am I connected to, really? Am I connected to Jesus, the vine of Christ? And if you're connected to the vine of the world, life is going to be very empty, and that is a promise. That's a biblical promise, actually, that we become just of, of the world, not just in the world, but just of the world. When we're connected into the vine of the world, it doesn't produce the fruit that's in partnership with Christ. But when we're connected into the vine of Christ, the fruit is not bitter. It is actually 
like wine. It is actually like, like the spilling out of grace, the spilling out of the blood of Christ, the forgiveness of sins. It's like we have become that sacrifice to the world. I'm acting as if God has given me these gifts. I'm acting in that sacrifice because I know that's the source of these gifts. So not only do we act in these things, we enter into that vulnerability and we believe that God is the source of these things. But my friend Jake tells me all the time that life is a choice. Much of life is a choice. And that grates at me because I do believe that part of life is not a choice and I need to identify that and, and know what that part of my life that's not a choice. That's very difficult because the lines get get muddy between what's a choice and what's not a choice in life. But if I always act like life is not my choice or I live in the negativity of the part of life that's not my choice, I end up just casting blame and pointing the finger and pointing faults and just issuing guilt and shame all over people around us. But life is a choice. And I would say, let's say 10%, and maybe, maybe yours is higher, but let's say 10% of our life is not a choice. And I want to be gentle and give, and, and give grace to a lot of people because sometimes that 10, 20, 25% is a lot of trauma to deal with. And we've all dealt with a lot of trauma in our life. And some traumas are just very impactful for people and it's very oppressive for, for some. And so some of our responses, some of our emotions that we have, the depressions that we feel, the anxieties that we experience are not our choice. And we don't have a choice in certain things, what goes on in some of our heads. And, and the world is not an easy world to live in. I do believe though, that as some percentage of our life, I do believe though, that maybe just a small percentage, maybe just a little bit, but I do believe that a percentage of our life is a choice. And could you imagine a life that you are allowed to choose, to walk in the way that you think is best, to walk in the way of the Spirit, to walk in the way of choosing God's way at every encounter, to walk in the way of Jesus, to actually walk in the way of Jesus. I'm not talking about the should contracts like we talked about before. I'm not talking about what people have taught you that you need to do and what you should feel and, and how those emotions, you know, those to negate your emotions or whatever they've done to jade our lives, right? Or whatever situation or organization or abuse that we've experienced in our life. I'm talking about a life that we choose to walk in a way, in a manner that we think is best. God's way. Jesus in his way, the fruit of the spirit way. And we need to make that choice, to press into that choice. So sometimes we are super hurt by certain things and that's just a, that's just a sign for me to press in more, to make the choice. This is God right now asking me to love. This is God asking me to really embrace peace. When I'm in conflict, someone has to break, right? Someone has to give in. Someone has to relent, and I believe that relenting, that, that breaking in the fight, that, okay, this is over, we need to stop, please let's stop, that, that ceasefire, that's a choice. That's a choice 
of peace. So I think that no matter what kind of walk we're on, we need to make the choice of the fruit of the Spirit. When we hurt somebody as a first response, that's the, that's the fruit of something else. But, the, but the, the first response that we need to have when we hurt somebody is fruit, is love, is forgiveness, is grace. That needs to be our first response, even when we hurt others. And hopefully our lives will begin to transform. Hopefully our lives will begin to take shape that we don't spend all this time on external things, things that don't matter, and, and our life begins to become an expression of our relationship with Jesus. Our life becomes then an expression of the fruit of the Spirit of love. Even when you're sitting across the table, even when you haven't got, even with these harbored resentments, that your life would speak love and joy. That even, even though you've had a very difficult life and maybe 75% of your life was not your choice and you're only living in 25, that that 25% would be love, joy, and peace and patience. Patience when, when people are just getting under your skin, bosses getting under your skin, things are not turning out your way, people are not meeting your expectations, you're not meeting other people's expectations, that love, joy, peace, patience would come out of us, that we know we're a good person, and so goodness is in our nature, but kindness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness would come out of our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And when we just want to run away, when we want to just engage our escapism, when we want to run so far away, faithfulness would come out of us faithfulness would be the first expression because of our relationship with Jesus. And all of this, all of this would speak self-control. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the fruit of the Spirit. Help us to live in such a way that the indwelling of the Spirit would speak such things out of our lives. Help us to act in these ways. Help us to be vulnerable enough to act in these ways to the people, even our enemies, the people that don't like us, that we would be compelled to act in the fruit of the Spirit, that we would believe that it came from you and we make the choice to do so. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.